Hey, if you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter 5. I had you in chapter 6. We're just going to back up just a little bit. But this morning, as we're on the eve of uh, New, Year's, um, New Year's Eve, Independence Day and, and the 4th of July, um, I just prayed this week, I was asking the Lord, I have a lot of video clips that we've done in the past and you can get about the 4th of July and about our freedom and about everything and a lot of quotes, but I'm just really looking at the climate that we are in uh, as a church and as a nation and just asking the Lord for something specific to say today. And uh, so this morning I want to talk to you just a little bit about standing for freedom. Standing for freedom. Father, I thank you in these next few moments as we open your word. Lord, you'll speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Only you can open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and cause our hearts to receive truth from your word that changes us, transforms us, and causes us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Do your work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul simply writes to the church at Galatians, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And uh, how many have sensed just in our nation uh, more bondage than freedom lately? I bet mean, it just most of the talk and most of the rhetoric is about imposing more and more restrictions, requirements, and things upon us. And so, uh, and then if it happens naturally, it usually happens spiritually as well. And so, look down at the cover of your outline here. Uh, who we are. It's important to know who we are. So, if you ask somebody, what does it mean to say, I'm a Christian? What does it mean to say, I'm an American? that. Hi, and it just depends on who you talk to. Depending upon who you talk to and who's asking the question, there can be a variety of responses. But if you go back to the beginning, to the original intent, to the meaning and purpose defined by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the founders of our nation, you come up with only one truth. If you go back to the Bible, the definition of a Christian in the Bible is clear and plain. If you go back and you read the documents of the Declaration of Independence and the statements of our founding father, what it means to be American is very clear and very plain. But a lot of things have been added to it, things have been changed, and we've lost really our true identity. And if we lose it in a nation, then it begins to creep in and we lose it in the world. See, there are three factors which define everything and everyone in life. There's three key factors. And I challenge you, you can take this and... Uh, uh, the Lord reiterated this in there, tied this in this message, but in summer camp, I'm looking forward to going to camp with the kids in two weeks, but in, uh, in that, or, or on the 11th, but every time I go to camp, I, I just sit there and listen to the word. I sit in the service and I just take my devotional time and God always gives me something fresh at youth camp because I'm just a kid trying to grow. Glory to God. Amen. But it, it was there that I was just reading the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And God spoke to me about the lost sheep is direction, the lost coin is lost value, and the lost son is a lost identity. And then when the son gets restored, you find out the first thing the father does is he puts his robe on him, restores his identity, puts a ring back on his hand, restores his value, puts shoes on his feet, and restores his direction. Why? Because sheep were made to have a shepherd. They can't give themselves direction. 
A coin may have ascribed value on it, but it is of no value unless it's in somebody's hand. Its value has to be directed by somebody else or assigned and used by somebody else. And then a child can't give himself an identity, and that's why the breakdown of our home is so disastrous to the fabric of our nation because fathers were meant to give identity to children. Are you with me? And so that's so important. But you take that three principles and you begin to apply it to anything and you'll find out that if you can reshape the identity of somebody, you can then redefine their values. And once you reshape their identity and their values, you can take them in any direction you want them to go. So important to understand. So those three key areas, hear it again, are identity, value, and direction. Again, if you can alter them from their original intent, then you can change anything and anyone, even a nation, and even the church. Why? Because your identity will always shape your value. What you identify with right now is determining your values. Whoever you identify, what you identify with, that's setting the standard for your values. And then once you have your identity and your values, they will always determine the direction you take in your life. So what does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian is more than being a believer. Amen. I shared it last week about the voodoo chief. He sat there, he he said, I believe in God. He's a believer. He said, I believe in God. Well, oh, are you a Christian? No, he's a believer, but he's not a Christian. And he goes to church as a believer, and he listens to the word as a believer. He says, God is all-powerful, voodoo is nothing, but he's not a believer. So to be a Christian has to be more than just being a believer. The Bible says the devils in hell believe, amen, but then, and they fear. But, so it has to be more than that. To be, a, to be a Christian is being more than being a believer. It's to be a follower of Christ. It's to be a disciple of all that he taught. Thomas Jefferson said this. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a real Christian. He says, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Christ, meaning I'm, I, I'm taught in them and I follow them and I adhere to them with my life and with my conduct. So he says, I'm a real Christian in that I follow the teachings of Christ. And so that's what it means to be a disciple, to be one who lives by his command and one who loves and gives his life for others. How many know that's what Jesus said? He came to give his life for others. And that's what he said. If you love, then, then you will give your life and you will sow and give of your life for others. It also means to know that we are free from every sin and ordinance of judgment that was against us through the atoning work of the cross and the blood that he shed. Amen. We celebrate that in communion. Thank God our past is forgiven. Amen. Amen. And we have grace for our future, but that doesn't mean that we can just do anything we want. That's why Paul says, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So we have forgiveness, but that means we don't have to carry this weight of guilt. That means we're free. Amen. So we have this liberty. So Paul says, stand fast in this freedom and the liberty you have in Christ. Don't let anybody bring you again to that yoke of bondage. It also means to have in your heart the identity of a child of God adopted by your heavenly father. We've been dwelling on that. We are children of God, that we have a good father and that you can call upon him. He is there for you. That's your identity. You are children of God. When you come to Christ, you're adopted by God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. But it also means to carry in your heart the values of his word. And this is where it gets a little sticky today. Because we get to redefine values. Because if you don't have the right identity of what it means, the identity of truly being a disciple and adhering to his word, then the definition of values gets a little convoluted. 
It gets a little cloudy. It gets a little mixed. But you carry in your heart the values of His Word, having everything in your life shaped and defined by His Word, which in turn causes you to walk in the direction for your life that has already been set in His eternal purpose, walking out the hope and the future He has for you, arriving at the promised destination of your heavenly home. So see, it's interesting that once you change identity, and today we live in such a world that that shares the identity that that we we just have to accept everything. And and, and we've been taught that the doctrine of tolerance and acceptance for everything. Everything. And so then the moment you do that, then that changes your identity a little bit, and it begins to reshape your values. And then once you do that, that changes our direction. We're no longer going in the same direction we used to. Because we have a new identity and new value. I shared this in first service. I'll do it again. And, uh, and we think, well, it shouldn't be that bad. Things aren't really that bad. If you get over here, accept a little bit of this, give in to a little bit of that, it's not a big deal. You're, that's right. It's not a big deal. Neither is me spitting in my water. Not a big deal. I can mix it up. You'll, ne- you'll never know. You'll never know. No big deal. You can't even tell it's there. Amen? But if I do this, some of you are going to go, ugh. <laughs> hey, it's my spit. It's all cool. But what happens is, is that the world comes along and says, hey, I know we're changing your identity and we're reshaping your values, but not that much. It's not that big of a deal. Isn't it funny? You wouldn't drink my spit, but you'll drink the spit of the world. You'll let the world spit into your life just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. We just keep taking it and keep taking it in. And then we wonder what changes us. And we all know what it's like because there are times every time we compromise and we give in, to the change of our identity. It makes us feel a little queasy on the inside. In our spirit, we feel that uneasiness in our spirit. And we know that we're compromised. And we know we're allowing our identity to be redefined. And we know in our values to be brought down lower and lower. And we know that that affects us. Because now we can no longer walk with boldness in the direction that God has for our life. Are you with me this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say a new person. So a new person means that I have a new idea. I'm brand new, which is why Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, the mindset, the thought, and, 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 and the way the world does things. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to think differently. But living in the world, we're constantly inundated with the thoughts of this world and the, the shaping of this world, and it constantly has an influence on it. And the number one thing the devil wants to do is change our identity, to reassign our values, and take us in the direction that he wants us to go, which is to hell with him and I don't know about you I don't want to go I've been to Haiti that's hot enough (laughs) amen and so it says the the old life is gone the new life has begun and so this means you have a new identity shaped by new values leading you in a new direction in your life 
See, the town, I said it last week, I'll remind you again, the town we ministered in there and, and where Mission of Hope is located is called Tintayan. And the definition of Tintayan, the meaning of Tintayan in Haitian, in Creole, is it is nothing. And so you have a people who are born in a region called it is nothing. They live in a town that is called it is nothing. They're told all their life, you come from it is nothing. You will never be anything. You will never amount to anything. You can't do anything about it. And they're taught that they can't. So Mission of Hope, their slogan is when they meet the people, the slogan they give them is I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me because I can become a new creation. I can make a difference. I can get an education. I can get out of this place of poverty. I can can get a better job. I can have a better home. I can have a hope. I can have a future. And so they're given a new identity. And the moment they accept that new identity, all of a sudden they have a new set of values. And all of a sudden their life is going in a brand new direction. It's powerful. But it happens every time. It also means that you will have to fight to preserve all three in purity of their original intent. You have to fight to maintain your identity in Christ. You have to fight to maintain your value. That's why Paul says, stand fast in the liberty. Stand for it. Because today, there's this thing where the world is constantly pushing it. It's constantly causing you, well, give in. It's not that bad. It's not that much. It's just like spitting in the water. It's not that bad. It'll be okay. You won't even notice it. It won't make any difference. Well, just a little bit, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And then pretty soon, you've given up more ground than you ever thought you would. Amen. So, the same thing happens with our nation. Hear me this morning. You have to fight to preserve it. So, Christ, hear hear it in the New, New Living Translation. I put it there in your outline. So, Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free. Stay free. Come on, we, share, we celebrate communion every month. We celebrate the liberty that we have in Christ, the victory that. Stay free in that liberty. Stay free in it. But you're going to have to fight for it. There will always be those who come in seeking to redefine your identity so they can reshape your values and alter your direction to bring you under their control. Paul called the church at Ephesus together and all the leaders. He said, upon my departure, grievous wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. I mean, they'll come in and they'll manipulate the control to use you for their own gain. I don't know about you. I don't like when I feel like my nation or my politicians are trying to use me for their own gain. Nobody likes that feeling. And, and then even in the church, we don't like that. We feel like we're being manipulated and used. So think about that. That always takes place. And so they come in to take you in the direction they want you to go. Paul wrote this to the church at Thessalonica. He said, therefore, now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Think about that. So it means that there's something that we have to actively be engaged in. To maintain our liberty in Christ and to stand for freedom, that's literally what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to fight. We're going to have to be willing to take a stand. That's amazing how, how tolerance creeps in and how we're taught to be things. Isn't it amazing? The more we stand for truth in the kingdom of God, the more we're labeled with names. Just standing for biblical truth and biblical value. You get labeled with names. Then you go, well, nobody likes being called names. And so we go, okay, well, I won't stand for anything then. So then nobody will call me a name. Well, then, the, then the, I, I give it, I'd rather be called names than be called compromise. And I'd rather be called names for standing for truth than drink the spit of this world. Because that's what they're asking me to do. Give in and deal with that. When I prayed for that, for, for the voodoo chief there at, uh, at the village there, the, uh, one of the young interns came up to me afterward. And he said, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, we try not to be that aggressive. 
And I said, well, I'm curious. I said, is there good food too? So he just like does good curses for people. He's like works good voodoo. He's like a good voodoo guy. But, so, but, but see, he, th- this young man, he's been influenced and taught tolerant. And so instead of standing for truth, then he, he backs up on that area. But we hear it in so many other ways and so many other. Con- that's just one area. But indeed, so here you have a face to face confrontation with a literal uh, demonic person. And then you're told to be nice to him. Are you with me? All right. Now watch this. So there's always that that comes in. So Paul says you have to stand fast in the Lord. So let me ask you this. What does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be an American? I think it means this. It means that you were either born here in the United States of America or you came in through the door of legal immigration. In order to be American, you either have to be born the child of an American citizen, you can be born abroad, as, as, as that, but you have to be born into, into citizenship, or you have to enter legally into citizenship. Go with me to John chapter 10. Huh? That's the same way with being a Christian. In order to be a Christian, you have to enter through the door. The door is Jesus Christ. It's not some other way. It's not everything goes together. It's not okay. This is okay. That's okay. No, there's one entrance. There's one way. There's an identity of what it means. And there's a value assigned to that in what it means. John chapter 10 and verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Wow. So listen to the debate today in our nation over illegal immigration. I don't believe there is a debate. But the one, well, we, we see people. Our law, the laws of America and the rights of America are for its citizens. If you're here illegally, the only law that applies to you is goodbye. We're not under, you're not a citizen. You're not under this realm. You're not of this kingdom, so to speak. And so it's not upon, the responsibility is to protect the citizenship. Are you with me? And to do, and to, but it, when you start taking a stand, now you're against people. Please get this this morning. This is what the devil wants to do. Pandora, stand up. The devil wants to make every issue a personal issue. Okay? So, Pandora is not an illegal immigrant. Okay? But right now she is. Okay. Okay. But if she comes in, if my stand for truth and for justice and for our American laws, if I stand for that against her coming in, the wrong way. I'm not against her. I'm standing for truth. And so I can't violate truth to be nice to her. So what they tell you is, no, you're being mean to her. No, I didn't ask her to come. And so it's not a personal issue. If she was of a different sexual persuasion, then to stand for truth and to speak the truth to her about original intent and create, I'm not against her. I'm speaking truth. It's not personal. But the world and the enemy wants it to all be personal. Oh, you don't care about the person. You don't care about the child. You don't care about that individual. So once you make it personal, 
then they vilify you for standing in the liberty that is yours. But it's never personal. It's always truth. Are you with me? Thank you, sweetheart. I love you. You're amazing. <laughs> Amen. Can I see your ID, please? I'm just saying. <laughs> but see, that's what the, the moment they make it personal. Oh, you're against children. Okay? That's the same thing happening with our transgender bathrooms right now. Oh, you're against a child. I'm not against a child. I'm standing for truth. God created them male and female. female. But see, what? So, so to stand for liberty, what am I saying? To stand for liberty. We're on the eve of the celebration of the independence of our nation coming out from having laws and restrictions imposed upon a people that they said this is unjust. And so we threw off the tyranny of Britain to have an independent nation and we ascribed laws and we made a declaration of freedom. It's the same way when we stand upon things and people come into the church and they say, well, you can't preach righteousness and you can't preach truth and you can't preach holiness. You have to come. I know I don't have to give up because you want to live in sin because you want to hold on to the oh, it's not, it doesn't make me bad. I'm not against you. I'm just preaching the truth and I'm standing for liberty and I'm standing for truth because I realized that a body was broken and blood was shed for you to be forgiven and I refuse to allow this to be spit upon. And I refuse to allow the liberty of our nation and the freedoms of our nation that was purchased in the blood of our founders and our patriots and our soldiers for 240 years to be spit upon. Amen. A pastor, that's going to get you in trouble. Good. I like trouble. I've been in trouble my whole life. I was a troublemaker as a child. Come on. I have a testimony. The law is here this morning. Amen. Amen. I earned every beating I got. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So it means you've entered by the door. It means that you have every right. Watch it. It means you, to be an American means you have every right, every freedom afforded to you, purchased for you through the sacrifice and blood shed by those who fought to found this great nation, liberating its people from the oppression of tyranny. Just like as a Christian, you have every right to every liberty and every freedom and every benefit that was purchased through the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So as an American, though, it means that I have a new identity founded in freedom. It means that the values of this nation are worth giving your life for. And it means that the direction set by its founder cannot allow to be altered or we will cease to be America. So we're on the stand. I don't know about you. This is the craziest political season I have ever seen in my life. I can't believe out of almost 350 million people, these are the two options that we have. Hey, Ben. It's like people sit up and say, if anybody goes, so I don't have to. I mean, we just take whatever. I don't know. But in the same respect... We have to take a stand. And there's some errors. And there's some things. I would have chosen somebody different. If I could have picked. If I could have chosen. I think there were smarter people. Better equipped people. But this is the choice that we have. And so you hear people. We have to choose between the lesser of two evils. 
Well, I always say this when it comes to voting for president. I'm not voting for pastor in chief. I really don't care if the person's born again or not. I just care if they have integrity and they're going to do what they, what they say. Because I'm tired of politicians telling me they're going to do something and not do it. They're saying things and not following through. Are you with me? So in doing that, and so when it comes to voting for Donald or voting for Hillary, I look at what they stand for. I look at their values. I look at what they identify with, and that'll tell me what direction they're going to take me. So if you look at their platform, I cannot vote for somebody who believes that life is not sanctified in the womb. And that you can abort that life up till the very moment that it is born. That it can be aborted in the birth canal. Late term, full term abort. I can't vote for somebody that believes that. I can't vote it, it, along any other line. And do, number one, just on the sanctity of life. And then if you get down to other areas. And so if I have people that are in that arena and deal with that, then the, so identity and values tell you what direction we're going to go in. Ronald Reagan said this, if we ever cease to be one nation under God, we will cease to be a nation. Amen. I put these in your outline. Horace McFarland said this, it's the love of country that is lighted and that keeps glowing the holy fire of patriotism. Can I tell you, the one thing that's impressive about Haiti is those people love their country. Amen. Little Solomon, one of our interpreters, he come up several times and said, thank you for helping us make our country better. Said, wow, how cool that they're working to make their country better. Amen. Patriotism. Elmer Davis said this, the nation, this nation will remain the land of the free only as long as it is the home of the brave. What does that mean? It means it takes some bravery to stand for liberty, to stand fast for freedom. It'll take some bravery. You're going to have to resist the pushback. Amen. Buck, come up here. I'll show you what it means. Watch this. This is how the enemy works. The enemy comes, Buck's standing for the Lord. The enemy comes back to push. Okay? And if he allows the enemy to push, then the, de the devil will always occupy the territory that he moved you off of. And, move and then he'll push again to see if he can move you. And as long as you keep moving and not pushing back, he'll keep occupying. <laughs> but if you choose to take a stand, then you push back harder. You have to understand, you, you don't just push back the same and you don't go, stop it. The <laughs> Bible says, resist him steadfast in the Lord. Okay, resist him and he will flee. But the devil, when you push back, you can move him back and then you're supposed to take back your ground. But never just stop taking back that ground. Do what he does. Okay. And keep and, and then and then occupy because the devil will wait and then he won't push no more. He'll wait. And then you know what you do. He'll wait to see if you're ready to drink spit yet. And then he'll introduce a little bit. And he'll try a little more. Then you'll push. <laughs> and, then, and then you always have to meet force with greater force. And that's what we don't understand. And, and that's why we don't understand Israel. Israel's learned this. They understand the culture. Because in the Middle East, that's what the Arab culture does that comes and it pushes you. 
and then if, if you read the history of the Middle East, you'll find there's been one conflict after another after another, and they come in, they push you off, they occupy your territory, then somebody pushes them back, and they go back home, and they mind their own business for 50, 60, 80, 100 years, and then the next thing you know, they're over fighting in the same territory, trying to push somebody off, and then they reoccupy, and then they put, and it's just a pushing back and forth, back and forth, and so it never ends. So as long as you're in this life, you're always going to have to stand. You're going to have to stand fast for the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Because the devil is patient. He'll wait and he'll come back later and he'll push again and he'll push again. He'll come back the same way through the same door every time and he'll use the same thing. And try to see if he can move you back. See if you're ready to compromise. Yeah, I love you, son. Never push me that hard again. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I love Buck. He can do that. Watch this. So... Let freedom never perish in your hands. Get this. Let freedom never perish in your hand. Turn the back of your outline and write this down if you have a pen. I read that quote and the Spirit of God spoke this to me. It said, let freedom never perish in your hand. Everybody look up here. The freedom of our nation is in your hands right now today. The freedom of your worship in the church is in your hands today. If we're not willing to stand, then we're going to lose our freedom. We're going to lose our freedom of worship. We've already lost it in our schools. We just had high school graduation. There was no opening prayer. There was no benediction. There, 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 there was no, n- none of that given invocation at the end. There was no baccalaureate service at your school this year. No student was allowed to use a scripture. No Christian student was allowed to preach or to say anything. And we have students. The cool thing I like is we got, God always uses teens because we're just made to be rebellious when we're teenagers. And so we have teenagers who are standing up and breaking out against the norm and, and doing that anyway and quoting the, the, I love the one school quote of the whole Lord's Prayer and refuse to be shut down and stuff. But they're taking a stand. They're being told, I'm not going to give up my rights. You can't tell me that. And we have that same challenge before us that we have to take a stand. So let freedom never perish in your hand. And the Spirit of God spoke this to me. Freedom can only be lost by a generation who would not fight to keep what has been given to them. Freedom can only be lost by a generation who would not fight to keep what had been given to them. We have been given a freedom, and it will only be lost if we refuse to fight to keep it. And what's scary for me is to think that we have, that a self-proclaimed democratic socialist could run for president and get the support that he has gotten based upon free stuff, which is taking your freedom, your earnings, your work, your money, and giving it to other people who deserve it because you were too successful in dealing with that. It's interesting. Without... Studying or looking at the ramifications. If you look at the models of those governments worldwide, there's not a successful model of that government anywhere. Go to Nicaragua right now and you have people in devastation right now. It's amazing. And yet people are doing that. But, but it, is, is a, it is a younger age group. It's our college age group. But through the time of reshaping identity. It's the same thing with gender acceptance and gender identity, because which is why, don't get mad at me just for telling the truth. 
Which is why we want to start at kindergarten teaching little children that mommy has two daddies, that, that, that Betty has two daddies and Billy has two mommies and that is okay. So if we, train, if we train them when they're five that that's right, when they're 20, they will vote to change the identity of a nation. So we begin shaping identity because if you change what they identify with, then you reassign their values and you redefine values and you take them in the direction you want them to go. From the first day that our president was elected, he declared that he would make change. And everything he has done is to be fundamentally restructure a change to our nation, to redefine our identity, to go on a tour and say we are, America is no longer a Christian nation. It's amazing. And see, people get mad. Well, Pastor, you're not supposed to be preaching on politics. You're supposed to be giving us the word this morning. Glory to God. No, this is my nation as much as it is yours. Amen. And when I go back and read in our independence, I read where preachers fought for our liberty as much as anybody else. So, hallelujah. I'll meet you in the parking lot after church if you want to fight. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, watch this. Hear it. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said this, that the worship team will come back. In the truest sense, freedom cannot be bestowed. It must be achieved. Liberty is not the breath. Liberty is the breath of life to nations. William Faulkner said this. We must be free, not because we claim freedom, but because we practice it. Guys, this is the most important election, really, that our nation has faced. I don't know if there's ever been a time in our, in, in our history that we could potentially see four justices replaced on our Supreme Court. We are one justice away from a completely liberal Supreme Court right now. And so if that changes to the power of four, there's no telling where our nation will go. I don't believe we will continue to be America. I'm appalled right now that I just saw been seeing all the clips on it stuff, but I saw the, the, the gun bills that were being, being submitted in California, and Governor Brown signed them into law before he went on vacation. Which means that, that if you have, that one of the laws is this, that if you have legally purchased any weapon that has a detachable, ejectable clip to it, if you have a semi-automatic handgun or a rifle or anything that has a clip that goes inside that by the year 2018, that gun will be illegal. It will be illegal to own it. And you will either have to turn it in or destroy it. That was a law that was just signed in in your state in California. And if you don't turn it in, you'll be fine. If you keep it, you can become a felon. So you become a felony for owning something that was legal to buy. And it is because your freedom is being taken away because we have changed your identity to where the victim has more rights than the one who has been perpetrated against. Amen. Now let me just take it to the extreme. We get mad because we say the Muslims are unfair to women because a woman cannot claim rape unless there are four men who witness the rape happening and will testify in her defense. 
well, that's radical. Yeah, but in our nation, we say that people, that the criminal has more right than our law enforcement. Listen, if you have a confrontation, I, I have never, since I got saved, I have not had one confrontation with law enforcement. I have had speeding tickets. Okay? Because my foot's not saved yet. I'm working from my head down. Okay? But I've, ne- I've never had a confrontation that I didn't earn. I've never had an engagement that I didn't earn. I've never had the police unjustly treat me or do anything. Yeah. So in dealing with that and doing different things, and I'm not saying there's not injustice, but we, we need to, if we can find one injustice, we can impose so much restrictions and take away so much liberty in defense of the person in dealing with that. And so if we have one person that commits a crime, what we do over here, we have people shooting people. So now we go over here and we blame the people who are responsible people and gun owner and have it for their own hunting pleasure or for protection or for whatever reason they have it. You don't have to have an excuse to have a gun. That's your right and to do it. And most of it was is so that we could throw off the tyranny. It wasn't so we could protect yourself from robbers. You know why you have the Second Amendment is there? It's to protect yourself from your government. And so now we have the government taking away our guns. And then they're making a Another one of the bills is there will be an ammunition registration. And in order to buy ammunition, you have to go and be registered to buy ammunition. So every time you buy ammunition, they'll know how much ammunition you buy, where you live, and where they can come confiscated yeah. if they want to or who has it. And so on. Do it. So I'm, I'm just saying that there's things that keep happening, happening, happening. And somewhere you have to take a stand. There's so many things, whether it goes from handguns, whether it goes from social issues, no matter where it goes to, whether it goes to economics, everything being redefined. If you don't stand, you will lose your liberty. And the thing that appalls me the most is that many Christians don't even vote in the voting process. We get so self-righteous about voting. Come on. If you don't vote for Trump, you're going to vote for Hillary. And, and, and you're going to support the abortion of babies. You're going to support the advancement of the homosexual agenda. You're going to support all these things that are contrary to the liberty that you have in Christ. And if you vote for somebody who's going to take the, the nation in the direction that is against the liberties you have in Christ, you cannot cry when you lose your liberties that you have in Christ. So it's time for the church to wake up and take a stand because only about 40% of the church, well, we need 60% of the people to get involved. This is our independence. It is in our hands. This is your liberty, and it's your responsibility to do something with it. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Men have known from the beginning that if you change the identity and values of people in a nation, you can take them both in any direction you want them to go. The church has survived because there's always been a remnant of true believers who refuse to alter their identity, change their values, or be moved off the direction God has set for their life. They were willing to lay down their lives if need be to protect and preserve their faith. Our nation will only survive if there is a remnant willing to do the same, even when it means giving their lives as need be to protect and preserve this treasured called freedom. Paul said to this, this is what he said. Paul said, I live if you stand. As your pastor, I live if you stand. Stand for truth. Stand in the liberty. So my question to you today, who has shaped your identity? Who's setting your values? 
Because whoever has shaped your identity and given you your values, they're the one who's determined the direction your life is going to take. Jesus said, come on. I'll make you a new creature in me. I'll give you a brand new identity. You'll be a child of God. I give you my word as your values. I give you the promises. I give you the provision. I give you the hope.